Hello everyone, my name is Anthony Fatsies and welcome to the What The Finance podcast, a podcast breaking down the complex world of finance, investing and trading to make it accessible for everyone. New podcasts are uploaded every Monday and Thursday at 5pm UK time and midday Eastern time. Today on the podcast, we are happy to be hosting Ree Sharma, founder of Wall Street Confessions. Ree started Wall Street Confessions at 19 while studying a finance degree, looking to share experiences herself, her friends and others have had in the world of Wall Street. This has grown into a community of 121,000 followers on Instagram for people to share their challenges, funny and bad experiences while working on Wall Street. She has since pursued a career in social media management and content creation, working for Wall Street Oasis, Bullish and currently as a social media manager for StockTwits. I hope you enjoy. So yeah, so Ray, so thank you so much for joining the What the Finance podcast today. Um, I'd just like to start by asking, like, um, why do you think Wall Street Confessions has blown up so much? <laughs> Yeah, I think people on Wall Street need an outlet, and I have been providing that for them pretty consistently. Yeah, definitely. And you think it was something that they, because I, I guess it's quite a lonely, can sometimes be quite lonely, can't it? You know, especially during COVID, long hours, you know, you're, you're pushed and pushed and pushed. And if you tell anyone, then they're just like, you know, who cares? Keep working. Yeah, I definitely think there's a culture on Wall Street around you knew what you got into. It's traditional to work 80 to 90 hours a week. And I really want to open up the conversation around that and maybe even make some productive change. Yeah, definitely. And I think the issue is a lot of the, the managers and the people obviously at the very high end, they went through all that. So they went through all the, the tough times, you know, 80, 90 hours. I guess you might say it was different back then potentially. But for, for them, they're saying, you know, oh no, you have to do it to, to achieve it. But I think a lot of people aren't, you know, not, not happy with doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think Wall Street and many other sectors of work are experiencing a cultural shift. And Wall Street is the one I'm kind of focused on, mostly because that's what Wall Street Confessions is. But I've heard from people in big law or in consulting, which I would maybe even put into the Wall Street bucket to an extent. But um, everyone is just tired of working so much and the money is almost not worth it. Yeah, definitely. I saw something today about like uh, Deloitte, I think, and they were saying, apparently, they eat. was that something you post, actually? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, so the head of Deloitte in the UK, which I've learned is not the head of Deloitte in the UK, one of my followers is wrong, um, but ah. they sent his name in and he's like a partner and he's he does quite a bit. Um, he sent his whole team an email and said, if you want control over your life, simply become a millionaire, a bum or, or an author. <laughs> Um, and there's been quite some discourse in my comment section today around that. Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's crazy some of the things because, you know, this isn't the first time I've seen something like that posted on your ch on your ch channel. So it's, it's obviously something that happens quite often for, for a lot of these people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what really got to me as I was posting it and as I was like rereading it was he said simply become a millionaire. And I know it's maybe just like the verbiage and like the language thing where it's like you're in the UK um, at the risk of sounding like an uncultured American. I would assume it's simply is kind of integrated into your sentences more, but it was a little grating to me where it was like, I was like, if it was simple to become a millionaire, I would be a millionaire. I wouldn't be doing anything. Um, yeah. I think it sort of shows you sort of that they get in this bubble, don't they? A lot of people, like if you're in Wall Street or you can even say tech and all these industries, they get in this bubble where they're just making so much money. It's just they don't understand what it's like sort of outside. 
Yeah, 100%. I think as you like come up and as you get bigger, you start to forget what it was like to be at your roots. And even working in what I work, I've caught myself a few times being like, oh my God, this is so easy. Why isn't this person doing this? And then I have to remind myself that I was an intern at one point. And just because I have like a job and a title now doesn't mean that um, I should expect so much more from everyone else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll go on to yourself and talking a bit more about sort of your journey. So uh, and starting the page and the influence for doing it. So can you talk more about that? Yeah, of course. So my name is Ray. I'm 21. I live in New York. Um, I majored in finance and international studies when I was in college with a minor in arts management. I dropped out because I love being a founder and an entrepreneur. And I have a full-time position at Stockwitz as a social media manager. So that kind of takes up my day. Prior to that, I worked in sales and business development over at Bullish Studio, a creator incubator. Um, and prior to that, I was just kind of working or interning rather at a Silicon Valley startup. So that's just a brief, uh, brief background on me. I started Wall Street Confessions when I was recruiting for investment banking because I thought someone had to open up the conversation and why not me? Yeah. And was that because people you knew were sort of having certain experiences or something, stuff that you experienced yourself? To an extent. I mean, as I was, as I was recruiting, I noticed a few patterns that I thought were interesting and should be spoken more about, but weren't being spoken about. And of course, I was following pages like Liquidity, Not Your Father's Broker, who I love, by the way, shout out NYFB. Um, great person. But I was like following all of them and I love their content. But like, I think there was this phase in the finance meme space before everyone got super conversational where a lot of the content was about like, Gucci loafers, Patagonia vests, jewel pods. And I was like, you know, like I have all of those things, but I'd rather talk about what's actually happening. And that's why I wanted to start the page. Yeah. And I think a lot of these uh, conversation points and uh, really important issues, they start as memes sometimes. It's a way for people to make fun of them. And it's like, hang on, these are actually very serious matters that we need to talk about more. So how important do you think the anonymous nature of Wall Street Confessions was to its growth? Yeah. So I think giving people a place to speak where they don't have to run the risk of like banks looking at their emails or seeing that they accepted like an external email or anything from someone like me uh, has been or has largely contributed to the growth of the page. Um, and as far as me being anonymous goes, I think it definitely played a role in it. But as I've grown, I've realized that I need to create a healthy relationship with my brand. Um, and part of that is just separating myself from it. So for a while, I really used the page almost as my personal. And then quickly, I realized that that goes downhill fast. Um, people still want to engage with me. I have 16,000 followers on my personal account. I post about dating and life and fashion and whatever, but I've managed to separate the brands. But I think there's something humanizing about a founder kind of coming out and saying, I started this, I did this. Because a lot of people love to talk to influencers and love to just comment things on Instagram without realizing that there's someone behind the things that they're digesting. Um, and oftentimes I would receive a lot of misogynistic comments or a lot of hate. Um, and I just thought the natural next step was to be like, hey, I'm like a person. You're not just talking to a wall. 
Yeah, I found that quite interesting because obviously it, it can still occur when you've got a per when you've obviously your own your own page, but when you're anonymous as well, it's sort of almost that another level where people don't see that there's actually a person behind the page. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And so, what would you say are sort of the major issues you've seen in investment banking from your own experience, and maybe others' confessions? Yeah. So as I've seen confessions and as I've gone on to work on projects related to Wall Street confessions, I've noticed that gender inequity is a glaring issue and Wall Street is trying to address it, whether it's with diversity and inclusion or whether it's just with general practice. And I think a lot of banks are trying to work on nailing it down the right way. But a lot of people are disappointed and they think that DNI programs are counterproductive or a lot of people are confused by them and they don't know how to react. Um, and I think women deserve better than what they've been getting for years and years on end. Yeah, definitely. So it, are you saying they're not doing enough or maybe they're not being accepted, the, the sort of initiatives that they're creating? I think they're trying to establish initiatives and I think the general consensus is that while they're needed, they're not being executed the right way. I couldn't comment on it because I'm unfortunately not on the Goldman Sachs board, but um, I do think a lot of people are frustrated with the DNI uh, standard right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so sort of on, on to the next question. So I know the page has changed my views in investment banking and sort of the want to actually pursue a career in it and obviously other pages as well. Uh, so has the page also changed your views? Yeah, I mean, when I started it, I wanted to be an investment banker, right? I thought I'd climb the ladder, go to private equity, go to a hedge fund, be 40 and hot and retire or um, do whatever 40-year-old women do in finance. And then as I was doing it, I was like, oh, wow, I actually don't want to do this at all. And I'd much rather work in... Um, social and community yeah and why was that you just thought it was um something that you're more interested in or i think i really love scaling pages and growing brands and working with communities that are super intentional and wall street confessions has given me that gift and almost unlocked a talent that i never knew i had so it's interesting when you find a new skill out of almost nowhere and you just lean into it and it gives you so much i mean Personally, like Wall Street Confessions is responsible for every job I've ever gotten. Um, and I am very grateful for that. Yeah, it's crazy. I just started as something that you thought you'd do on the side and now it's sort of shaped you so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I started it, I used the page for networking. And I think a lot of my OG followers remember uh, I would post on my story DM me if you work at Goldman Sachs or DM me if you're a woman in finance. And then I would talk to those people and be like, hey, I would love to connect. I really want to get into banking. Um, I actually distinctly remember I got into something or another with Goldman Sachs. It was online. So I'm pretty sure it was just where they threw like the leftover people. Um, and it went to my junk email. And I was in such a panic because even though it was just an insight series and it was online, they were still like interacting with people. And I had just quit an internship or I was in the process of quitting an internship for a tech startup. And I freaked out. I texted my aunt who's director or who's like head of M&A at like a Swiss bank. And I was like, what do I do? My Goldman Sachs thing went to my email. I can't register. They're not replying to me. Um, and then... I posted on my story and I was like, DM me if you work at Goldman Sachs, like, please, especially in the New York office. And I freaked out 
to every person who replied. And this was last year, by the way, before I had the courage to drop out and just say, fuck it. Um, and I was like, I, it went to my junk email. I had no idea I could sign up for it. I'd be so grateful. I'd love to be a banker. Um, and that not happening was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. I mean, it happened. Like, uh, I had a few well-connected people get me into the program, but, uh, as I was going through it, I was just kind of like, do I, do I want to do this? Do I want to fight and grapple for an insight series that's online that people get into because they didn't get an analyst position? Um, (laughs) and then I dropped out. Yeah. And I I think the thing as well, it's like, there's that pathway of, as you said, going into investment banking and then private equity and all these other things, but it's like, hang on, why can't I actually, I, I know I'm doing it myself. I'm you know, equity analyst intern, why can I actually do the things I want to do now, learn what I actually want to learn. And then from there I can sort of be ahead. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to see my own personal growth because now I have the word manager in my title, which probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but it means something to me. I love it. I'm in the process of hiring someone part-time to work under me. And it's just so crazy that like social media has given me the power to actually have like a position where I know what I'm doing and where I can like bring people on to work with me instead of like me doing the whole thing for like three to four years and then still working 80 hours a week. Yeah, definitely. And that's a, it's almost a nightmare, isn't it? So um, you mentioned you've sort of been influenced by some meme pages. You mentioned liquidity there and a few other ones. What would you say is the funniest confession you've ever received? <laughs> It's funny. I was actually looking through every single Wall Street confession I've ever gotten today. So like thousands. And like I was looking through the page because I'm working on something I can't disclose, unfortunately, but it's a big project. Um, And there's a few of them. I think there was something about... So this person like works on the desk and when like he's waiting for comments to come back, he works on... an like a suit style script called vests um about life and investment banking i thought that was quite funny um yeah there's a lot of like little funny anecdotes but i think the more serious ones definitely stick with me um there's this one that i sent in sent in i posted it um where this is my own wall street confession i was uh on a date with someone and right after I went home with them and we like hung out, he told me that he just got a text of a new Excel formula and he can't wait to use it. And he's so excited. And I was like, wow, that's what you're excited about right now. Um, And I saw that again today and I just kind of had a moment to myself and laughed and was like, this is my life. Wow. So that actually happened. I thought that was just memes. It's actually true. (laughs) No, that happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm sure that uh, went down quite well. (laughs) Um, So what would you say is the confession that's, uh, I guess there's a similar left the greatest impact on you. I don't know if it's a bad one or a good one. There are so many that have left such a profound impact on me. I think the ones that women send in about their Me Too experiences, um, maybe on a darker note, Uh, maybe this response is on a darker note, but the Me Too experiences one always leaves such a profound impact on me. And I've talked about this uh, quite a few times in interviews and on the page, but uh, I was assaulted when I was 17 and it's such a scary feeling and it's so isolating. And whenever I get those confessions and whenever I read them, I don't feel so alone anymore. And it's just this deeply raw and almost primal feeling to have something taken away from you and to know that other women go through that 
always comforts me weirdly, but it also makes me feel so awful for them. And that's a big part of the reason why I continue to do Wall Street Confessions, despite everything that's happened over the past two and a half years. Yeah, definitely. As you said, it's almost like a community in terms of other people who are struggling and they can actually, you know, it's not just them going through whatever it is. There's other people going through it as well. And as you said, it can get give you comfort, can't it? Can't it? Absolutely. I mean, I've always considered Wall Street Confessions to be a community of finance professionals. Yeah, definitely. And then in terms of how you want to grow it, do you have any other things? That, are you just going to keep it as it is? Or are you trying to implement new things if you can talk about it? <laughs> I am uh, I'm working on stuff. I don't know how much I can say without my agent texting me. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of stuff in the works that I'm very excited about. So Wall Street Confessions, I really want to turn it into a full-on financial media brand versus just an Instagram page. And I've never considered it really to be just an Instagram page. Again, I think it's a community, but I definitely want to grow out of just being on one platform. Yeah, definitely. And is that just having more impact on people as well? Would that be the, the main goal of that and trying to spread it, spread the positive impact as well? Yeah, I mean, the goal would be brand awareness and to get people talking and to continue to develop the conversation. And I think maybe in five years, it'll be more than just Wall Street confessions. It'll always be Wall Street confessions, but I hope I can start opening up the conversation everywhere for how women are treated. Yeah, so not just Wall Street, but other industries as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So if you could sort of send a, a message to the people who've confessed on uh, anonymously, uh, who are struggling in their role for one reason or the, another, what would that be? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, if it's to anyone who's ever sent something into me, thank you. Um, I never say this enough and I wish I said it more or I wish I had a way to say it after something was received, but I truly appreciate how vulnerable people get. If you look at the page, people are so vulnerable about their love lives, about their personal lives, about their battles with mental health. Um, and it just means the world to me that people want to share and they do share. Um, so aside from that, I would say if you're going through something, I frequently post hotlines and resources on the page, whether it's on the stories or in captions. And to remember that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Uh, hundreds and thousands of people are having the same experience you are. And on Wall Street Confessions, you know, if a post gets even a thousand likes, that's a thousand people who resonated with what you're going through. And to just be resilient and be brave and continue to push through. Yeah, definitely. I think it seems like for those types of jobs, it's really, unfortunately, sometimes it's pushing through or um, you know, trying to challenge as well, trying to make sure you can help improve. Um, so what, have, what what would you say has been the most challenging part of running the page? I would say the misogyny is never fun. I have received threats before in my direct messages. It gets quite scary sometimes, actually. And that's part of the reason my personal account's no longer in the bio. I used to say like founder and then like my personal handle. It's not there anymore, um, even though I, I am very open about who I am and I do press. Um, yeah, I would just say one of the hardest things is the misogyny that I face. And that's on a personal level. But on another note, I would say sometimes people send in really intense things. And if they don't say who they are, uh, I always get this sinking feeling of wanting to help them, but not being able to help them or not being able to talk to them. And 
that is always very hard and I've learned to kind of try and let go of that but it's a process yeah because how it works is they just it's literally just like a text box and there's no info or anything and they just click to send through so there's no way for you to contact them or even respond anonymously yeah I mean information is optional right now I think and I realized as I like implemented that process that a lot of people won't do it out of risk of it being tracked back to them and I wanted to recreate the safe space for lack of a better word uh that I was giving people so I made it optional people still send their names in but the more heavy ones don't yeah definitely and would you say the misogynist comments you think come from people who maybe feel threatened I don't know what what, what do you think perhaps I think when men comment that things haven't happened to women and some of the misogyny goes on to me I always wonder what they do in their day-to-day and how they treat women in the office it's not a not about feeling threatened maybe but more so attacked and having to analyze their own behavior so there was a post the other day where a woman had to take off her blazer and put on heels and go into a meeting with not reading up on uh and she couldn't read up on it before and they told they told her that the purpose of her being in the meeting was to make everything look prettier. Uh, and a lot of men commented and they said that didn't happen. That could never happen. Um, and it always makes me wonder, like, hey, how do you like treat women in your office? How do you treat like female analysts? How do you treat the EA? Like even support staff, like how do these men look at women and do they realize that what they're doing is harmful or what they're saying is harmful? Yeah, definitely. And it might not even be, as you said, uh, just men and women, it might be different hierarchies as well, back office, front office. And, you know, it might just be how, how they treat everyone. potentially. Yeah, I mean, I personally strive to treat everyone with the same level of respect, unless, of course, they're a danger to society or they're just an asshole to me, in which case, you know, God bless and fuck off. <laughs> but uh, anyone in my day to day, that's kind of neutral or just whatever. Uh, I treat very equally. So you, you sort of talk about how you're quite interested in Bitcoin, and Ethereum and cryptocurrencies. Uh, how did you get into crypto and what are so your thoughts on the space? Yeah, I mean, I've known about Bitcoin since it started. Fun fact, my cousin who's like 18 now, when he was like 11, he was playing RuneScape and they told him about Bitcoin and he figured out how to buy a Bitcoin at the age of 11 and he put like a few cents into it. Uh, when he was 16, I believe he cashed out in like 20... 2016 or something when whenever it went to 17,000 and it was so funny to me I was like he told me to buy bitcoin and he was 11 and I didn't buy it and I was like I was like 16 17 maybe at the time when he hashed out um and this kid he had like tens of thousands of dollars and I was like oh my god and then like when I started reading into it more and like my love for Bitcoin grew a lot deeper when I joined Clubhouse and when I learned more about what it was. And as I started working in financial media and got into retail investing, I fully learned what it was and I fully think it's the future. So I consider myself a Bitcoin maximalist and an Ethereum maximalist. I would argue that Ether has like more of a usage case, but you know, Bitcoin's the OG. Um, yeah, I'm deeply into crypto and i'm actually working on a really exciting nft project oh wow that's awesome and i think you said something that you are you you on a clubhouse of paris hilton <laughs> i was on a clubhouse of paris she happens to follow me on twitter now because of that very exciting um i think clubhouse is a fever dream i was on it 
for approximately three to four months. I have like 1800 followers or whatever. Um, and through that, I met like so many VCs, so many great people, but also Carol Baskin from Tiger King randomly followed me one day in a clubhouse. And I was like, oh my God, Carol Baskin just followed my personal account, Wall Street Confessions and my Twitter. What is happening? And then um, I met with her on Zoom for a work thing and it was so surreal. And I was like, what is this app? How did it happen? How am I on here? Yeah, wow, that's that's mental. Yeah, <laughs> yeah crazy. Um, so sort of what were a lot of those people talking about crypto and blockchain and sort of the development of, of the ecosystem? Was that what it was about? Yeah, I think I just went into a lot of Bitcoin rooms because I was naturally curious and the conversation around Bitcoin was opening up a lot more last year. And I fully learned what it was. I started putting money into it. Uh, I would say actually 75% of my portfolio is cryptocurrency, which I'm very happy with. Um, and it was just so exciting to me. One, because Bitcoin has such a strong community and so does Ether. And the cryptocurrency space is just so new and accepting. Not so much new, but it's really caught a rip now. And the people are so kind and the communities are so real and they want to add value and they want a better future. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one thing I've noticed in crypto. It's very open community. And it's very much about developing and progressing, especially like, I guess it doesn't happen as much in Bitcoin, but Ethereum, especially like developing the protocol and trying to make, make it have an impact on the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So on to my last question. So thanks for joining the interview. Um, I was like to ask, what sort of impact would you like to have on the world through Wall Street Confessions and your own journey? Yeah, I think with Wall Street Confessions, I just want the world to be better for people who are working in professional services. Uh, I think there's a common narrative going around that if you make $90,000 a year, or if you make six figures a year, you're not allowed to have feelings. And I kind of want to dispel that narrative because yeah, like life can be easier or can be easier if you have money, but if you don't have any time to spend it and if you're just kind of sitting at a desk, what is that, you know? Um, and if you do have to sit at a desk, you should be treated well, you should be mentally well, you shouldn't be hated on or treated differently than others because of your gender, your sexual orientation, your race. Uh, and I would just hope that Wall Street Confessions can open up conversations that lead people to analyze their behaviors and start making positive changes in their day-to-day -day lives. And with my personal journey, I want Ethereum to go to $10,000. <laughs> I want Bitcoin to go to $100,000. Um, <laughs> and that's all I have figured out right now. And cash out and go to the Maldives or something. <laughs> I would never cash out on Bitcoin. Oh, no. Ethereum, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah. perfect, Ray. So if people want to get in contact with you, I know, obviously, Wall Street Confessions, what other uh, platforms can they? Yeah, um, NYC Sad Girl on Twitter and Instagram. Check out StockTwit social media. Nothing I said here reflects the views of my employer. It's all my own. <laughs> Um, but yeah, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always open to talking. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.